We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello and welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz Podcast presented by OTGBasketball.com. I'm your host, Nick Faye. Back with me this week, my guy, Jack Manuel. How you doing, Jack? Oh, it's cold up in your neck of the woods, Nick, but it's, the Nets are hot, hot, hot. Yes, they are. Starting 2018 right way. 2-0 in 2018 with two solid wins, one over Orlando, which we talked about in the last pod, and then last night getting the close game closeout against the Timberwolves with no Karis LeVert. Very impressive. But before we get started, just a reminder, you can always listen to the Brooklyn Buzz on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, and otgbasketball.com. But Jack, what stuck out with you? What stuck out to you last night about the Nets? Not about the players, maybe overall, but just the team in general. I think the with a lot of our games, Nick, um, we've seen it since at the start of the season, since the loss of D'Angelo and Jeremy Lin, just that overall team effort, and that you know, whenever when someone's down, someone else is going to come up. Whether it's a Dinwiddie, whether it's a Levert, whether it's a Joe Harris, whether it's a Jalil Okafor nailing some nice screens and fitting in nicely into the new unit. Um, I think just everyone is playing their part really nicely. Quincy Acey is getting back in form. Um, you know, we can't be too critical of any of these players anymore because everyone is playing a part, and that's relaying into all of the systems, whether it's on offense and especially on defense. The whole team has made an effort to kind of make sure they have an impact on both ends. You know, if you're not hitting your shot, maybe you're picking up on D like Alan Crabb. So yesterday I thought also the Nets did a good job of making sure they didn't get in a first-quarter hole. You know, yeah. they only were up 24-22 at the end of the first, but that does make a big difference. I thought a lot of that was because of Rondé. He came out good energy right off the start. Birthday boy, so happy birthday to him. The effort, I think defensively the rotations have been better. A lot more help, a lot more focus. Where you saw in the past, guys kind of locked on to their man and didn't really help their teammates. Where I think uh, defensively they're starting to really buy into the system and be like, you know, if I help my guy, someone's going to have my back too. 
Yeah, I think that confidence and comfort with each other has really shown Nick. Um, and I think it was on Net Daily the other day, or it was New York Post, or, or one of the publications. Uh, Alan Crabb, um, you know, came out and said like he wants to be getting some more credit for his defense. And you know, his shooting hasn't been what we'd like it to be, but he has been contributing a lot more on that defensive end. So you know, I, and I think that's going to help him in in both ways. And um. You know, I think we every Nets fan would know, and if they don't, that we're ten and zero when we hold opponents under a hundred points. So, um, the defense is certainly a number one thing. And I think right now, I think in, I think it was via team ranking. I think we're like number two in defense in January. Albeit it's been like three <laughs> games, but uh, it's good early signs for the new year. Yeah, we got off to a good start defensively in December as well. If you remember against OKC and Miami, even though we lost Miami game. So it'll be important for us to keep that up all month, especially with the schedule. But like you said, good to see. And I know you're pretty happy about, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie last night, fourth quarter. He stepped up big, hit a clutch shot, the game winner. What are your thoughts on Dinwiddie and his play last night? Looks, the thing that impressed me most, Nick, is that there's times where Spencer will take those pull-up threes. We know he can make them, but they're almost a settling shot sometimes. Yep. When he got the switch on Taj, I was really glad to see him attack the hole. And despite the fact that it was still a tricky shot, uh, it was by no means an, an easy bucket, um, that's a more high-percentage shot than taking it over like a six foot ten guy like a Taj Gibson, who's a decent defender, mind you. So I was really happy with the attack of Spencer Dinwiddie and the, the attack of everyone in general. And... Um, I'm, I'm, we're all part of the movement for the for getting Spencer in the All-Star game. I'm wondering whether he's a, a decent chance because right now all these mentions are going wild everywhere apart from the freaking NBA Twitter. It's just, it's ridiculous. <laughs> he, and he retweeted yeah, no, it. He How many times is it this year now? Like three? And the funny thing is they, they add him sometimes and they don't add him other times. And yesterday, you know, hit that big shot. You think to give him some love. But like you said, NBA Twitter is doing the work trying to get him to the All-Star game. But you hit on a great point. I think that's what every has wanted. Coach, Nets, anybody in the Nets organization. You know, when he gets these switches, not to just step back, but to go in, drive, and take his man to the hoop. You know, he doesn't always get the foul call, but if he constantly starts to get it a little bit more, and I think he's a lot more di- dynamic off the dribble and around the rim than we kind of expected going to season. So I'd kind of like him to expose that a little bit more. He's pretty crafty. He has a good pivot, a good fake. So getting inside, I think, will help him a little bit more, especially when the three-point shot's not going. Yeah, because the three-point shot, it's it's one that can be a bit shrieky um, with Spencer. He's not – he's by no means probably our best three-point shooter. I'd probably have, you know, Harris and, and Crab ahead of him. Um, but he's he, that's something where he has improved markedly. But, yeah, he's got a nice dribble. He's very controlled. He's very composed. He knows um, – and we saw that three-pointer, three-point shot at the end of the second, I think it was, which was just absolutely disgusting. Um, it was just lights out. So, you know, as much as um, we love that three-point shot, and, and, of course, it's more, it's worth more, uh, but, you know, you attack more and then it's going to open up those lanes a little bit more and open up the perimeter a little bit, give you that extra space that he needs, give him that extra step. Exactly, because I don't mind him shooting open threes. It's just when he, like you mentioned, you know, taking the step backs, the contested threes, you know, you can get a better shot than that. I felt like last night he's also like a little bit more focused. You know, he hasn't been amazing this last month, and he's almost been a little bit out of focus, it seems. And last night he really seemed focused, locked in, and he just did everything for the team and picking up big minutes with no Karis LeVert, and I thought that was really impressive. Yeah, I think the I think he was uh, 38, 39 minutes of from, from memory, um, which is you know unheard of in, in Coach Kenny's system. I think you know the only guy that's probably had those in moments has been Rondé, um, and yeah. I think Damari Carroll maybe once is at about thirty four. So for Spencer to play such elevated minutes um, speaks volumes, and maybe 
obviously the the absence of Karras certainly helped that. Um, you know, the third time this year that he's equaled his career high of 26 points. Um, he, he's been absolutely outstanding, and um, can't say enough good things about him because he's just been, and you know, throughout the his last 10 games, he's only averaged 11.6 points on uh, just a little less than 39% shooting, uh, but he has averaged six assists. So, you know, for him to get those buckets going again, I think that's going to give him some great confidence going forward. And like we always mention with Dinwiddie, the job he does protecting the ball, and he does a great job of just facilitating the offense and getting guys in motion. And it seems like the Nets always look to give him the ball at the end of the shot clock. You know, like, oh, we're in trouble, just throw it to Spencer, he'll make something happen real quick. And, you know, he does it a lot of the time, especially considering the, the situation. Yeah, and I mean, 64% shooting last night is absolutely, like, it, it's ridiculous. It's something you'd see from, like, a Clint Capella or a DeAndre Jordan, not a point guard who's making all the plays at the same time. Um, exactly. Yeah, he's, he's still number one to assist to turnover ratio. Um, he's still one of the top point guards in today's NBA, probably in the top half, or if not, creeping up at, um, and who knows, we may see an all-star fan vote in, because I, I reckon he's certainly going to be up there. Yeah, he definitely should get the fan vote. So we'll see what happens with that. But you mentioned, you know, Kenny hasn't liked to play guys big minutes, but this is the second time he's played someone big minutes. Rondé caught 38 minutes in the Orlando game. Maybe Kenny's changing his mind, but let's talk a little bit about Rondé. Obviously, offensively, it wasn't maybe one of his best games. He started off pretty well, got the energy going, but defensively, he was really locked in. This game against Carl Anthony Towns and last game's last game against Aaron Gordon. How impressed have you been by RHJ's defense? I think it, it's it's something that we almost lost sight of a little bit, Nick, because his offense has been so great. Um, back in the day, you know, maybe last year or the year before, Rondé, it was almost his calling card, um, you know, his defense. And, you know, he would occasionally get a few buckets here and there. But since he's become so much more of a complete all-rounded player, we sort of forget that, you know, his defense was his number one thing. Um, now that he's become so much more versatile, um, it just helps him so much more on both ends of the floor. I think Damari Carroll deserves a lot of credit as well last night for some of his plays uh, on Jimmy Butler, limiting a guy who's, for me, in the past month or two, has been an MVP contender. Um, so I think, yeah, Ronda and Damari certainly set the tone. And, and those two guys are always probably our two uh, main defensive forces. But uh, moving on from RHJ, talking about more young blood on the Nets, Jared Allen continues to make his impact out in the game. Offensively, defensively, he's altering shots, he's finishing dunks. He missed a few dunks yesterday, but he had a nice hook shot as well. Yeah, I think Jared Allen is is, is just growing and growing each game. Um, he's going to make mistakes, uh, and, I, and I think I'm happy to see him make those mistakes and still have the confidence to still make plays, to still set the screens, to still be, to still do all the right things. Um, because that shows that, you know, he's confident in his ability still. It doesn't let him, you know, get down. His demeanor doesn't change. And I think that he, his energy is one thing that we can always count on um, coming off the bench. And I, I'm really intrigued to see the coming games, um, you know, the, the tandem between him and Jalil, how the minutes go between those two, because both of those guys provide different sort of uh, skill sets. Um, and, and it's going to be uh, fun to watch. Yeah, for sure. And I think Alan, one thing, like you said, when he makes some mistakes, he corrects himself. One thing that's impressed me of late is his poise. I posted a clip yesterday where he caught the ball in that in-between range where a lot of big struggle where they tend to turn the ball over or force an awkward shot. Instead, he makes the right pass, leads to a Nets wide-open three. So things like that. And then in the post as well, when he caught that uh, pick-and-roll pass from Dinwiddie, he could have easily went up with a contested layup. He took it, spin, hit the hook shot. I think small things like that as he adds to his game are just going to make him so much better for the Nets. And he's a guy that's just going to continue to see minutes. I don't think you can take any minutes away from him without giving him maybe more. 
Yeah, and I mean, it's it's going to be a process for him because obviously he's still a rookie and we don't want to burn him out too much. Um, but he's certainly not going to be seeing uh, Spencer Dinwiddie 38, 39 minutes, that's for sure. But uh, it'll be nice to see him push that 30 mark somewhere um, sometime throughout the season. Yeah, I was more so referring to the fact that Okafor is coming back, and I don't think yeah. Allen will be a guy that you know loses any minutes. But let's talk a little bit about Okafor. Obviously, he makes his return. He played a little bit against the Toronto game, but doesn't really count. He was just fitting in. But now, conditioned, understands the net system a little bit better. What were your thoughts on Okafor last night? Uh, all positive, Nick. All positive. Um, as uh, a lot of uh, outlets have published uh, a lot of pieces on him, I think the number one thing that Coach Kenny was happy with was his defense and activity uh, in the pick and roll. Um, I think he provides us a nice outlet, uh, a nice bit of uh, difference in terms of our offense because he's so great in the low post. We saw that at Duke. We saw that in his first year in Philly. Um, and his passing actually is a little bit underrated. I think he's starting to feel confident. He's starting to look good. Um, and he looks fit and trim. And he, and he looks confident. He looks comfortable. I think that's the number one thing for, for a guy like Julie. We want him to be at his best every time. And I think slowly but surely, um, you know, we see D'Angelo come back. I'm, I'm going to be heavily intrigued to see how they pair together. Um, but it, it's nothing but positive things. You know, the, the screen setting, I think, is, is one thing that I think he can provide because he's a bit of a bigger body compared to a guy like a Jared Allen. Um, he's a bit more mature in that sense. So, you know, it's our pick and roll is a huge part of our offense. Um, so I think Jalil can certainly provide a lot on that in that regard. Yeah, you definitely get the positive impacts you could have off that in the pick and roll. I think one of the most impressive moves he had last night, and this is one you constantly see in his highlight video, he catches the ball a little bit higher than the high post, takes his man off the dribble, then finishes inside he's able to handle the ball well for a big which probably will help the spacing too but one thing that worries me a little bit and i want to see him do a little bit better job on pick and roll he just seems to drop so far back and it just gives a lot of open mid-range shots if he's able to step up a little, little bit more get a little bit more confidence in his quickness i think that'll make a big impact defensively obviously first game that he's played in quite some time second game he's really played all season long so obviously a lot more for okafor to talk about yeah and i'm sure in the coming games nick will see you know, it was 11 minutes last night, so it was obviously, you know, the bare minimum. But, um, you know, once he starts to play, you know, 18 to 24 minutes, that's when we can really start to judge how he sort of fits and if he has a future with this net squad. I think he does. Yeah. Who do you think is going to lose minutes? You know, it's it, it's really tough because you obviously have Tyler Zeller, who's been solid, obviously nothing amazing. Jared Allen, who we talked about being a great rookie. Quincy Acey, who provides a different feature than the rest of the bigs with his ability to shoot threes. So who do you think, you know, loses the minutes and gets Okafor up there? And maybe even even 15 minutes is going to be hard to find for him. I think injuries and, and management are going to happen on a regular basis, Nick. So whether, you know, Jared Allen sees some DNPs, um, as we, we've been surprised to see occasionally when that happens. Um, and, I, and I think Quincy Acey is one that you're probably going to take those minutes from. Um, Tyler Zeller has been just a really consistent force for us as a starter. So I wouldn't want to take too many minutes away from him. Um, maybe, you know, you, you pull him out and if he's, if things aren't working. But, you know, it's, it's so much better to have this depth of talent and have these sort of problems than not have them like in our past sort of two years. It's, it, they're good problems to have. And I think Coach Kenny mentioned that in, in his press conference as well. Yeah, I think the guys compete a little bit more for a minute. One thing I think Kenny could probably get out of his bigs now is more activity centers to be more active and not worried about them getting tired because there's such a you know depth on the bench 
it's going to be really interesting, though. I'm intrigued to see what he does with the minutes. I think, like you said, rest would probably be the easiest way to get Okafor minutes because I don't see Allen losing minutes in the games he plays because of his impact. Uh, Zeller's been pretty solid, like I said. And AC, as much as he's had his bad moments, he's starting to play better of late, and he provides that spacing. And Kenny loves spacing. I love spacing. As much as AC's bad sometimes, he's the only guy on the Nets, you know, actual big that can add any of that to the team. And they've gone the last two games. I've seen them go super small a lot, especially in the fourth quarter. So something to keep an eye on. Yeah, and that's that. I think that small ball really helps us with our spacing and our pace and our ability to pass the ball around. And I think it leads to really high assist numbers. Yeah. Um, so like last night against the Timberwolves, despite the fact that it was it was a really tight affair. With 22 assists to their 10. Um, in those games, it's always our defense and our passing. You look straight to those numbers. How do we hold um, teams in terms of their, their field goal percentage, in terms of um, how much we let them score, and how does our passing go? If those two things are generally up, the Nets are generally going to win games. Definitely. And I, I thought yesterday was pretty impressive. They had 19 turnovers and they still got the win. The three-point differential was huge in that game. I don't know if you saw it was something like, the Timberwolves made one three. The Nets made yeah. fourteen. They only attempt like the one of eleven. I think they were. Yeah, nine percent from three point range, <laughs> which is pretty hard to win an NBA game like that. But the yeah. Nets had nineteen turnovers and they still won, so that was impressive. I think the turnover issue. I'm not that concerned. A lot of it was the fact that Levert wasn't playing, and they had no backup point guard. Harris, Allen Crabb, they couldn't really handle the ball that well, so that was kind of part of that turnover problem. Yeah, and I think, you know, the, the Golden State Warriors are, are a perfect example of a team that can have a, a high amount of turnovers yet still uh, play a great, you know, consistent brand of basketball. Um, you know, if it's they're sloppy uh, and negligent turnovers, and that's when it starts to worry you and you start, you're giving away the ball and it's, you know, points off turnovers. Uh, I think that's probably more of an indicative stat that uh, we need to look at. But I think, yeah, the Nets can have their turnovers, um, but when we have Spencer Dibbony run the show, uh, it's very unlikely to happen. Yeah, so, but I'm not concerned about that as much last night. Just an impressive win. Would you say that maybe it's our best win of the season when you consider the fact D'Angelo Russell, Jeremy Lin, and Karis LeVert are all out, arguably three of our four best players that we have? Yeah, and against a, a squad that is you know, top four, top five in the West. So uh, this is an elite uh, squad in, in today's NBA. They All their guys were healthy. Jimmy Butler, Carlton, Tan, Jerry Wiggins. Those big three, um, they, they were having, they were doing work, but we just, we just outgritted them. Um, we did, we did the our Brooklyn thing. So I think, yeah, for me, it was probably with the Cavs win. Um, I think the Cavs win uh, it was probably more impressive, just the fact because it was against LeBron and it was in such emphatic circumstances. And again, Spencer Dimity was a huge part of that. So I think I'd tie those two. Um, our West best win. Um, but um, our East best winner was probably against the Cavs. So, you know, I'd have them uh, a close 1A, 1B. Yeah, it's tough. I think, I like, the Cavs win, I think, just has more hype around it because, like you said, LeBron and the Cavs. But when you think about it, this one, I think, is more impressive, especially when you consider the T-Wolves. They're not really, like, struggling right now. At that time, the Cavs are pretty bad. They'd lost to the Knicks, you know, the Magic, a couple other teams that aren't very good. So this one is up there pretty high for me. I'm also really high in that Heat win. Thought that was super impressive. We blew out the heat, you know, yeah. before the by the end of 2017. So, but it's great to see a lot of guys. I think that's what the difference is for the Nets is they just have so many contributors across the board. Like we talked about, Crab not having a great shooting game defensively. His his impact with deflections late in the game had an impact. Also, I think Crab did a great job rebounding. When they go, go super small, they need those wings to step up. Also, your guy Joe Harris last night, six to seven. He continues to impress. 
his ability to the drive to the rim this season has been a real factor for the Nets. Yeah, and I think um, it's almost like, uh, as I mentioned, 1A, 1B in terms of our wins. Crabbe and Harris are almost 1A, 1B type of players. Um, you know, one of them might not be super hot, but Joe Harris will be. Alan Crabbe might have his 15.53 night, and then Joe Harris might be a little bit um, less and might be a bit great on the defensive end. They're just, you can't have enough good wings who can shoot the three and do a little bit inside and do a little bit on the defensive end. There's, they're the prototypical player that you need in today's NBA alongside uh, ball handlers. Uh, I think that's one thing Alan Crabb can improve on and probably learn from Joe Harris in a way. But I think Joe Harris um, has the luxury of probably playing with the second unit. So he probably sees a little bit of easier looks, a um, little bit of easier lanes and more space out there. Um, whereas teams are going really hard on Alan Crabb. But it's still good to see the fact that he's um, providing energy on both ends of the floor. Yeah, I think the one thing Joe Harris does is he reads the defense so well when they're trying to really take away that three, he uses his body leverage to get himself in a driving lane and puts the ball in a position where you can't really get an opportunity to block it. Alan Crabb's probably a more athletic guy. He has a better wingspan too, so you'd like to see the same thing from him. Crabb's starting to improve a little bit. I saw him make a few nice passes the last two games, so if he can build on that, and kind of develop his all-around game, that contract won't look as bad. Definitely not. But, Jack, before we get out of here today, do you got any 2018 hot takes for the Nets? Uh, ooh, I think um, I'll, I'll leave it to D'Angelo himself, Nick. Um, I'm sure for all the Nets fans that haven't been on Twitter, um, you, you, I'd suggest getting on because um, there was some sneaky uh, fan video going around of D'Lo speaking to Kyrie after that narrow loss. Um and you could see the lips moving. And for those that are lip readers, I think a lot of us could easily see him say two weeks. Now, you could take that of what you will. Now, maybe it's two weeks. He's, uh, you know, they might be going out to the club when, um, you know, Boston <laughs> are back in town. Um, but, uh, you know, read into that what you will. So I think my hot take is that D'Lo is going to be back within, uh, I'm not going to say two weeks. I'm going to say within the month. Um, not going to be too hot with the takes uh, because, you know, I, I think if it's too hot, we're going to, um, melt some of the snow out there in, in, in New York. And it's you know pretty cold out here in London as well. Um, but yeah, I think the Nets as well, um, I think if we can maintain this play, um, we're going to make the, the Cavs want to trade that pick. Um, so right now, I think it's 10th, uh, the number 10 pick, you know, obviously taking into account the lottery. Um, so yeah, my hot takes are that the pick won't be lower than eight and that D'Lo will be back in the next two to four weeks. I like it. I think when, when we talked about the D'Lo injury, we said we'd probably see him in early February. So pretty close to what we expected. Um, also, I agree. I think the Cavs might make the move. I think Isaiah Thomas is going to give the Cavs a little extra hype, and they're going to be like, you know, we add that one more piece. I think it's easy to forget how good Isaiah Thomas wa is and was, you know, last season. And he looked relatively healthy. Obviously, still not 100%. But I think it might be enough for the Cavs to be like, no, let's go all in one last time with Golden State because who knows if we lose LeBron, when's the next time we'll be in the finals? Yeah, and if you've still got an Isaiah and you say get a Paul George or a DeAndre Jordan, um, those are the probably two likely, or maybe a DeMarcus, then you can still be a playoff team with those guys. Um, but that's for a, a Cleveland Cavalier podcast that uh, we ain't about that. For the NBA yeah. outlet, I'm sure you'll be chatting that about on the outlet on the next one. Yeah, we'll definitely talk about that. But uh, my hot take, I'm going to say... Mm, I got to go with someone with Karis LeVert. I'm going to say Karis LeVert scores over 20 points 10 more times this season. 
It's a big call. We've got about 40 more games. Uh, he had the run where he's like, you know, basically scoring 15 points at will. So if he can stay healthy, it's definitely not out of the realms of possibility. Yeah, and I like uh, he's starting to really get those crunch time minutes. You know, Kenny wasn't giving them as much, but now he's, you know, getting him in there every time, at least in the last four minutes. He had that big clutch shot against Orlando. That was awesome to be there when I saw that, and the crowd went crazy. So Levert, I think, is starting to build up that hype. He's starting to get the respect around the league a little bit too, which is nice. And then um, I gave my win prediction probably for the Nets for the season last episode. I think 30 to 35 wins. Probably just miss out on the playoffs, but not by much because I think that the way the East is going right now, the, the eight seed's probably going to be right around 500, if not under. Well, we've already won more games in January than we did last year when we went 1-15, and 15, and we've already won two games, Nick. So yep. things are on the upward trend for us, that's for sure. And I'm sure we didn't win our 15th game until, like, March last yeah. year. So yeah. so being already, you know, in this position, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, a lot depends on D'Angelo Russell's health. If he comes back and they're able to kind of – I think one thing that's really intriguing when Russell comes back is the amount of depth that the Nets are going to have at the wing and guard position. I think the pace is going to pick up again. I think the Nets are going to go back to being really high-paced defensively. They're going to have a lot of energy, and I wouldn't be surprised if Kenny starts to play a lot of guys just because they'll have that ability to throw so many different lineups out there. Definitely. And one thing I want to see um, is Karis to continue to have some starts, but I like him with the second unit because it allows him to feast. It allows him to eat a bit because they – you know, the, he's starting to get a little bit of respect, but I think him and Alan um, working in tandem, you know, there's going to be experimentation with lineup changes and there's going to be injuries throughout, but um, I want to see uh, Levert and Alan as much as possible, whether it's, you know, starting or, or, or in the backup. But um, it, it, I think as Din, Dinwiddie helps, um, it's almost like a nice antithesis to, to what D'Angelo is. You know, D'Angelo likes to eat a little bit, likes to be that offensive guy, likes to push the pace for Spencer Dinwiddie is a bit more controlled. Um, and I'm sure we'll see plenty as well, three-guard lines, because, you know, going into when we picked him up in the draft, um, Karis Levert was thought as more of a three. So uh, a three that can handle the ball and a guy who can play as well as he can at the point, um, there's, uh, the, the possibilities are endless. Yeah, I mean, one super small lineup that intrigues me right off the top of the dome is, you know, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, D'Angelo Russell, Karis LeVert, DeMar Carroll, Rondé Hollis, Jefferson, super small lineup. Yeah. Or, or even if you swap in Jared Allen right there. I think the ability the Nets will have to just mix and match with three-point shooters and playmakers, because now they have three, you could argue, you know, Crabb and Joe Harris are probably close to elite shooters. Stauskas has a little bit more to prove, but he has the ability to get really hot or cold. And then they have three playmakers in D'Angelo, Russell, Karasavar, and Spencer Dinwiddie, who all can do a little bit of similar things, but all at the same time have a little bit different, you know, features. Yeah, and, and it's the key to our system, Nick, um, to be able to make plays and to be able to make the three-point shot. Um, and I think it makes it a lot easier on the defensive end when you can do those things because, you know, when you've got those athletic guys and you've got a deep unit, the energy is going to stay consistent. And I think that's one thing that we've seen lately um, when we're playing, you know, those sort of 8 to 11 guys, the energy stays consistent and allows guys to go hard for, for 28 to, to 26 to 28 minutes. Um, and maybe one or two guys get those elevated 30 minutes. But, um, you know, that's if, you know, they've got the hot hand, which I'm liking that Kenny's starting to sort of feed a little bit. The guy that's got the hot hand, leave him out there that little bit. And I think Coach Kenny's, um, oh, I've really admired his, you know, his maturity and he's just... Um, Ability to sort of think on the fly. Um, I remember, I think I posted it out uh, during the Boston game where, and we mentioned earlier in the pod, this fact that Spencer Dewey 
was putting up too many three-point shots. Let's pull up threes. He took him out for like literally a play. I love that. Win, put him back in. That was one of my favorite things. And it doesn't destroy the confidence of a Spencer Dinwiddie. It almost sort of just goes, hey, there's a bit of a kick up the bum. You're not, you know, you're not um, the be-all and end-all. You're not LeBron James. You can't just do that shit. You're Spencer Dinwiddie. You're still a very important player, but it shows the, the coach-player relationship that he has with so many of our guys. It's so positive. Yeah, and I think a lot of people have to remember, you know, Kenny's still a young head coach in the NBA. You know, this is only his second season. He still needs to grow just like the players do. He's seen some nice growth, and like you said, I like the fact that he's sticking with guys if he has to. If they have a hot hand or matchup-wise, no, Rondé was the only, is really the only guy in the Nets that can match up with Aaron Gordon, so he had to play him, and yeah. he understood that and kept playing him, so I appreciate that. Obviously, looking for a bright future in 2018 for the Nets. We want to see a lot of player development, a lot of growth from our guys, and then who knows what will happen in the offseason. But, Jack, thank you for hopping on. Happy New Year, my friend. And Happy New Year to all the Nets fans. Thank you for listening. For the ones who know that a little late is always too late and that the clock doesn't stop just because you're missing a part, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry. And our KeepStock inventory management solutions help ensure you have the right stuff in the right place at exactly the right time. Visit Granger.com slash KeepStock to learn more. Granger. For the ones who get it done. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.